Welcome to the Realized Gains Podcast, a guide to real estate investing. Join our co-hosts, Jordan Lee and Stephen Tran, as we interview a diverse group of real estate investors, both amateur and professional. Our goal is to help you understand that anyone can invest in real estate. Tune in to hear creative strategies and learn from both our mistakes and our successes. You can find us where you love to listen to podcasts, on YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com. At that point, were you feeling like financially stable? I mean, I was making 50K. We had one kid at the time and like, you know, our expenses were pretty low. I had some equity in the house that we, that I was fortunate to purchase. I wasn't saving as much as I wanted to. You know, I will say this, uh, I play basketball with Jordan a lot and Jordan is one of the most competitive people. Did you feel like you're in that sense competitive enough to be like one of the best restaurants? What does it mean to be at the best restaurant? <laughs> like, it's so or like, can you create but, the best restaurant? But, but right, can you create like? It was more about just like trying to get be be the best that I could be with those skills. Like, oh, that's what I like. I, I guess that's what drew it to me is like um, that constant pressure to like keep creating and cre- keep every day producing something. Yeah, you only can serve so many perfectly cooked pieces of beef or salmon before it's like. Yeah. I like this, but do I need to be doing this seven days a week, you know, five, six days a week? Hey guys, welcome to episode 53 of the Realized Gains podcast. I'm Stephen Tran. I am a multifamily investor and short-term rental investor, and I'm also an Oregon and Washington realtor. And I'm your co-host Jordan Lee here. Uh, I'm a mortgage lender licensed in about nine states based here in Portland, Oregon, and I mostly invest in single family. Yeah, and today, you know, I just wanted to do an episode with just Jordan. Uh, you know, we get a lot of questions about, you know, where we, are, where we come from, um, Career know. change. How do yeah. you change your career? Change your career. How did you get into real estate? I don't know how to get started. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had this good luck thing that happened to you, and you, you know, like you, you had all the right steps to get there. And you know, what I really want to tell people is absolutely not. I didn't. You know, we did not have the perfect journey to get there. And I know we went into a little bit of detail about you know our past careers mm. and you know the journeys we took, um, whether it's personal or professional. Uh, to eventually get here. Um, but, you know, I just want to emphasize to everyone that, you know, like the journey, all the experiences that we learn from uh, our journey professionally, personally, um, with family, et cetera, is what got us here. And then we just kind of put ourselves to be open to learn and, you know, like things really snowballed quickly. And I think the great thing about real estate is that you can use in that real estate profession, you can use your previous experience in a lot of different ways. Like, you know, you wouldn't think, oh, I used to cook. Like, that's a skill that translates to real estate. But there is parts of cooking that translate really well. Like, um, you know, attention to detail, creativity, uh, you know, client service, you know, making sure that your work is very consistent. Yeah. All those things translate really well. Um, whereas, you know, Steven used to be in marketing, which to me, that's like a natural transition but um but again like it could be any skill set that could come over because real estate's so broad and there's so many different ways of doing it 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, uh, did you ever imagine you'd be a lender when you were 18 years old at this point in your life? <laughs> I didn't. Well, first of all, I, I didn't know what a lender was or, <laughs> at that time or really what a mortgage was. Um, yeah, a loan officer wasn't like one of those careers. I mean, I had some vague concept of what a realtor was, I think, when I was in high school. But, um, y- you know, I, I think I thought I was going to be more in the medical profession. More, most was kind of like what I had originally planned on, but... Yeah, like something exciting. Like I was going to be a firefighter or a skydiver or (laughs) something crazy. Like, you know, like when you're young, you just – nobody thinks like, oh, I'm going to be a realtor and I'm going to, you know, like do something that's kind of of mundane. I don't know. I'm not saying that lending is mundane, but Mm. it just doesn't scream like passion job. Right, right, yeah. And and ultimately like for kids too that are tuning in, listening and thinking about their careers, um, you – you might be preparing for a career that doesn't exist yet, ultimately. Like, life is about building skills and being able to make change and meet the need and the niche. Like, who knows what careers are gonna be there in the next 10, 15 years? Like, piloting drones, was that was that some career that we were training for in high school? No, are high school kids doing that now? Yes. Yeah, content creator, like every kid wants to be right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, why don't you just kind of start with that thought process at 18 and, you know, kind of how you got into your career and. What your thought process was then before obviously anything real estate related, anything lending related? Sure. That, I mean, that's a good, good point. Like at 18, I honestly was like, I, I'm going to go to college. I don't know exactly what I'm going to major in, but I'm probably going to be doing something biology related. Yeah. Um, so I went to, went to college, <clears throat> put in for intro to biology and it was full. <laughs> so my, uh, so my, um, what is it called? The, the guidance counselor, I can't remember what it, some your major advisor, you have some advice. I think it's just an advisor at school was like, well, why don't you try a language? And I was like, okay. Um, I didn't really, I liked French in high school, but it wasn't my favorite. So I'm going to try something else. I'm going to try Chinese. I'm half Chinese. Maybe I should learn about my culture. Uh, so I, yeah. So then I went, ch- changed, pivoted, went and studied Chinese, which had nothing to do with biology. Um, and then I also randomly read the description of an anthropology class, which I had never, I'd never heard of that field before. Um, so I decided to major in those two things. Um, neither of which were automatic career paths. I don't think, I mean, I, I certainly there, <laughs> there's plenty of anthropological research that, and archeological research that's been done in China that hasn't been tra- <laughs> translated into English that w- could be useful. But, um, I think I learned, pretty early on that academia wasn't going to be something for me. Um, and I'd had professors sort of tell me like, Hey, Jordan, like <laughs> academia is not for everyone. Um, I, like I got through college, but it, it was, it was a challenge. And I, I think that that constant research and it just is not super stimulating for me. I love learning and reading, but, um, that kind of that higher level level, like journal and comparative analysis stuff for me, yeah. is just a little bit, I get sleepy. Um, so, I mean, I know you did some study abroad. Was that all like with, through your anthropology classes? Um, well, I did it. Yeah, I did an archaeological dig in Arizona one semester, like one summer. Um, but my, my study abroad was more for Chinese. Yeah. Um, and then at, at some point I was like, okay, I, maybe my junior or senior year in college, I was like, I, I think I want to, I love cooking. I think maybe I want to open a restaurant. <clears throat> and so I designed like a, kind of like a senior thesis type project where I, I took a, um, an, an internship at a local kind of fine dining restaurant that was there in that small town. 
And, and the owner, he was like, well, I'm going to disabuse you of this idea that you want to own a restaurant. It's a terrible idea. Why don't you go call out my bills for two hours? And so, <laughs> and so I kind of like, he showed me, which was cool. He showed me kind of top to bottom, like, here's what it's like to run a, a small restaurant um, that has some modicum of success in a, in a small town. Um, you know, I saw the front of the house, I saw the back of the house and, um, and, and as well as like the business side and it didn't, it didn't completely uh, at that time disabuse me of that notion. Um, and so, you know, after college, I still wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to go to culinary school. I think I want to open a restaurant. And then I started working in that field. Nice. And I mean, you want to kind of get into like, just once you finished culinary school, like what your experience was going from there? Yeah. I mean, I think cooking for most people is, is a passion, um, because you know, it starts typically, at least in that time I was working, I started at $11 an hour, which is, um, maybe minimum in Oregon at that time was like nine. Mm -hmm. And this, I was working at, you know, widely considered one of, you know, a James Beard award restaurant at, at Paley's place, one of the top restaurants in the Northwest. Um, you know, so you, like you would think, the pay would be great, but no, I mean, you, you start at the bottom, you get $11 an hour. I worked there for three and a half years. When I left, I was making maybe 13, um, until I took a, a chef position at another restaurant in town, which, um, which was good. Like, I, I mean, it was, like I said, it was a very much a passion and a lot of like the culture and mentality is like, oh, I got to work the most hours. I got to shuck the most oysters. I got to, <laughs> I was, was going to ask, what are they, I mean, I'll use some language was, were they, were you doing just like bitch work? I mean, I think you, you, to a certain extent, you always are. I mean, I I didn't start, like, washing dishes because I went to culinary school, so I yeah. did start on the line. So I wasn't I wasn't on the lowest position. I started at, at a pantry position. Um, and I also did prep work, too, which was, like, you know, cooking family meal and then just, like, prepping for all the stations, which mm-hmm. – um, which I, I – you know, that's not really, like, the entry-level position you actually have to – I mean, you have to have this, you have to know all the recipes to be able to do that. Yeah. I mean, was there your expectation you're going to go in and like, just like have a nice pan and like do all the steaks and all the, <laughs> the, 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 what do you call it? The, were you and basting, basting yeah. all this stuff and doing all this amazing. Cool yeah. And I mean, when you get to that level, when you're working, I mean, in, so in that kitchen, there was really one, two, there was really three line positions. There's the cold line pantry, which sometimes had two people. And then there's the hot line, there's meat, fish, and then expo and like, so there's not a there's not a ton of verticality b there's not any real major pay discrepancy like you know one position doesn't necessarily get paid significantly more than another then there's like a sous chef and a chef um and yeah i mean for me i was like i love cooking i want to learn how to cook i want to learn how to cook everything i want to be you know the fat i want to be you know, as skilled as everyone that I'm working with. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of, yeah, this, this, this mentality of like building skills, but then, th- then there's not a lot of thought on building the business acuity, like learning how to successfully run a business, like learning the numbers. Um, you, you know, you don't learn about like, Oh, how a lease works or how, um, you, you might learn a little bit about food costs. And of yeah. course you're trying to monitor that with your ordering, <laughs> but um, the bigger picture you're still, is still kind of hidden from you. And, and I think, you know, once I got to the point where, okay, how do I grow beyond just building skills and actually trying to build um, a business or wealth that way, 
um, I think that's when I like peeled back that curtain and started talking to business consultants and like looking at what it would take to own a restaurant and what the the risk versus the reward was, at least in the fine dining atmosphere. That's when I kind of like took a step aside and was like, well, this is a passion for me. Is this a career? Like, is this the right career? At that point, were you feeling like financially stable? Were you like, you need to get past that like 11 to $13 range and you were like feeling like, okay, I can live off of this. I mean, I was making 50K. We had one kid at the time and like, you know, our expenses were pretty low. Like I, I, you know, at that time we were, we were okay. I was like, I had saved, uh, I think I had 10 or 12 grand or something like that. And I was like, all right, like, you know, I need, you know, savings are good. Um, I had some equity in the house that we that I was fortunate to purchase because I had an inheritance from from a grandma that passed and um, yeah I felt like oh, I could make a I felt like I could make a risk so I felt I felt fairly stable but I didn't feel like I guess I knew that stable wasn't enough right yeah. I wasn't saving as much as I wanted to. And, you know, I will say this, uh, I play basketball with Jordan a lot, and Jordan is one of the most competitive people. Would you, did you feel like you're in that sense competitive enough to be like one of the best restaurants? Yeah, and, and that term is just so hard, like, because what does it mean to be at the best restaurant? Like, it's so Or like, can you create but, the best restaurant? But, but right, can you create, like, do you, I, I don't know, like, for, for me again, it was like, it was so much more, it was more about just like trying to get, be be the best that I could be with those skills. Like, oh, that's what I liked. I, I guess that's what drew it to me is like um, that constant pressure to like keep creating and cre- keep every day producing something. Yeah. Um, it's a lot, there's there's a lot of constant demand and pressure, which is, which is satisfying to a certain extent. I think I got to the saturation point of that satisfaction. Like you only can serve so many perfectly cooked pieces of beef or salmon before it's like, yeah, I like this, but do I need to be doing this seven days a week, you know, five, six days a week? Yeah, I mean, did you, when you were thinking about your restaurant concept, I mean, was it something you were super excited about and trying to be creative and trying to like, I'm gonna do something different or what was the point where you're just like, you know what, this is just not it? Well, yeah. So when I was working the chef position, we were creating the menu, which was really fun, right? Because we'd go to the farmer's market every week and we'd be like, okay, here's what are we going to do with this? Um, but there's still always that day-to-day grind that you can't really get out of. And so when I was looking at buying the restaurant and it was like, okay, yeah, we can set up the menu. We can do this and we can do that. But there's still, when I looked at the back end, when I looked at the money portion, it just – it it gave me pause because I didn't feel like there was a lot of security there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, it's funny. Cause, uh, you talking about going to the farmer's market and doing all the stuff in the, the French brigade. And I, I kind of love chef culture and I know you obviously absolutely hate it, but I watch <laughs> a lot of shows on that. I think I have like a, obviously like some kind of dream about like, no, I mean, that's, experience. that's why a lot of people get into the industry. I mean, they read Anthony Bourdain's book and they, they get super excited about it. They love the, the hustle and the yeah. speed and the heat, um, and, and it's very practical skill set. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, for me, the, from a business sense, it just wasn't <coughs> the 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 perfect the business that I that I saw thriving. And I, and I think that's a reason why a lot of restaurants, especially in the fine dining space, it's it's a struggle. 
Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, obviously you've, you've had, you did your research, you've had your consultants come in and kind of tell you, like, this might not be as good as you would think financially or this, you might not achieve the success that you'd like unless you're that top 1%. I mean, what was your thought process like immediately after that? Obviously, this seems like maybe not the future for you. Yeah, I mean, good good point. Like, what's, for me, uh, for a while, I was just kind of like in a funk. Like, I was like, I, I don't know. I, and then I started reading books, <laughs> mostly. Um, y- you know, whatever, motivational books, self-help books, reading about different fields. And then I thought about, like, other things that I knew and, like, I'd always liked math. And I had, and I had a long-term plan of building, like, wealth through or not really necessarily wealth, but building passive income and kind of like building a retirement account, I guess, through real estate. And so that's kind of what drew me to the to the the finance world. So that's that's kind of where I was like, okay, finance, I, I think I like finance. I like talking about finance. Um, I mean, finance is weird because it's like such a broad thing um, and the actual mechanics of like setting up a mortgage or, um, you know, setting up a Roth IRA or, you know, yeah. like doing those things aren't, aren't necessarily fun. Um, but more the, the long-term and end result is what, what is enjoyable about it and helping people kind of switch that light bulb of like, uh, you know, it's like the question of if you put $400 a month into an account over, 40 years and you're getting 10% compound interest, is that going to, how much people, how much is that going to make you? And the person's yeah. like, oh, I don't know, like a couple hundred thousand, right? Because that's, if you do the math, that's what you're thinking to make. No, actually, it's like 2.5 million. Um, and then it's like, oh, or, or it's like, oh, you know, what what would happen if you pay up, you know, you have this rental property that starts at this and over 30 years, it increases by 3% each year. So I think, yeah, the mecha- the me- it's kind of the opposite about of cooking. Whereas like cooking, the mechanics of it are a lot of fun. The day to day, there's a lot of fun. But like the long term return on it of of the business and the long term return on your health. I mean, that's the other reason I kind of like started to avoid that. Is if you read studies about chefs that they've done, it's their life expectancy <clears throat> is like something like eight years eight years less. So I think the uh, the long term of cooking is is pretty. That that's sort of what I was. What drew me to finance is like I didn't. I traded the short term for the long term. I guess. <laughs> Whereas yeah. like the short term fun um, versus the lack of long term to uh, you know a, a field of finance. Whereas some of the some of the short term stuff is 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 annoying. But um, but the long term planning, the creativity, that part is a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And I mean, obviously, you've built a pretty good career. Is something that obviously there's no promises in terms of how much money you're making. How did you get over that hump? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I said I saved like 10 or $12,000 and I was like, Oh, that'll, that'll be plenty. Right. That'll be enough time for me to like build a business. Um, <laughs> honestly like that, there's, you know, so much of it, like hard work is super important, right? Being consistent, paying attention to detail is super important. Like in our career, a lot of what we do is, it's almost like fishing, you know, you've got to be, you've got to be constantly doing the work, showing up. And a lot of times you do the work and you don't get any sort of compensation for yeah. it. Um, and, you know, just like when you're thrown in a line, a lot of times you, you lose your, 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 um, your weight or your lure yeah. 
You got to pay for that, right? And you don't get a fish. You might spend hours and days in doing it. And same thing, same thing in real estate. Um, and but like, so for me, intentionally, I just set it up in a way that I was like, okay, I'm just going to go out and I'm going to meet people, um, and I'm going to keep doing that as many times a week as I can. Um, until I've met enough people that they'll think about me when they needed mortgage done. And uh, it's, again, another long-term strategy, but um, eventually it did pay off. Um, and, and plus, it's it kind of taps in, it, speaking of the short-term games versus long-term games, it did that part of the business um, I did like a lot. So, like, you know, spending time with people, making new friends, building new relationships, building new partnerships. To me, that part is a, is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, so I think that that kind of helped. That that's what drew. That's the part of real estate that kind of drew me and helped helped me make it push through that first couple of years where it's like you know you're just doing a few deals here and there and hoping to get by. I mean, I wasn't for me. I didn't think it was. I was going to be able to make it. I didn't realize that I was going to make a full career out of it until. I think the third year, year three, I, I made as much as I did cooking. Um, so roughly 50. Yeah, roughly 50K. So it took three full years to get to that point where it felt like, okay, I can pay off my credit cards now. I can take a breath. Like now it's kind of sustainable. Um, and then, uh, you know, year four and five, I think it was 2020 and 2021. And just timing wise, got lucky then with a refi boom and a purchase boom at this uh, consecutive. Um, or um, at the same time, so that that was lucky in terms of timing, but that's good. Yeah. Well, you know, I kind of kind of jump into my career a little. Yeah, bit. yeah. Go ahead. I mean, I was gonna start asking you questions about that. Um, so tell me, like, what about you? I mean, let's go back to high school. Yeah, I mean, you know, I will say. I, I'm a pretty impressionable person. Like, you know, for me, I, I went to a low-income high school. I don't think we had the, the best schools. I mean, a lot of people were successful coming from Benson High School. Uh, I just felt like I didn't have a direction. I was a manufacturing major in high school because it was the – Benson was the technical – Yeah. The, that's where it's, like, supposed to put you on a technical track? Yeah, I knew there's a technical or a health directed, and I don't okay. like blood. So <laughs> it was easy for me to choose. Like, I'm going to go the technical route, and there – there's a good amount of options that I wasn't interested in. Honestly, I didn't know what I was interested in. And uh, manufacturing, I just knew it was probably the easiest. The teacher basically was mostly absent, and I can skip a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, that, that's a good point. Like, how, how do you choose that so young? Like, and I think that's sort of some of the failure. Like, it's good to have an idea of what you want to do. But again, like, you might, you might be in a career that you've never heard of or that might not even exist. I mean, all I knew is that like in manufacturing specifically, I, was, I did not think I was going to be a laborer. You know, I knew I'm, I was a smart kid. I was always good at school. Even if I didn't have to try that hard, I wanted to be a cool kid and go out and party and do all that stuff. But school was really easy for me, and I wanted to make it as easy as possible. Mm. I didn't think I had the, um, the setup in my high school to basically steer me towards where I wanted to be. Okay. So, like I said, I was basically clueless. So you just chose manufacturing because you thought it was. Oh, I was 16 years old. When not I chose because that. your family did manufacturing stuff. No, it was easy. I like working with my hands. It's kind of a fun class. You get to play with lays and you know, you know, like built. I built uh, like a, a jack for a car, a oh, um, bunch of woodworking things. So it was it was fun, and you know, getting through that. Like I, you know, all I want to do is get good enough grades to get into a good school. 
uh, my dad was basically Stanford or bust. And I was like, Dad, I do not have, I do <laughs> not have the grades for Stanford. He was like, you go to Stanford or you, you go to PCC, which is Portland Community College, yeah. and you take over the business. And I was, my parents had the bean sprout business, right. and I was like, I am not growing fucking bean sprouts. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I got into U of O and OSU full ride. Um, that's so, that's yeah. so interesting, though, like how you say that um, your dad was like super, he's, he's like, you got to do this or that. Oh, also what he said Wait, was. Is that, was uh, that common for a lot of your friends, too? Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Like, you know, like the high standards are like, you're this, uh, my, my cousin's son, he got into Harvard. What, what are right, you doing? Right. You know, that whole sort of thing. And. Like I said, I like to party and drink when I was like 17 years I, yeah, old. Yeah, so. I feel like that's very common for first, like your parents are first generation, right? And yeah. They're very insistent on that. Whereas like my dad's, you know, the kind of second generation. So he was, he was always just like, okay, like, I, w- I wish I had that. that. Okay, yeah. okay, like do it, just, just do it well. <laughs> and you know, I, this is the thing I know about me since I was little, I have always had a high risk tolerance. Mm. Um, so, like, I, as I mentioned, I got to U of O basically automatically, OSU mm. full automatically, because they're in-state. I hit yep. the, you know, the GPA, whatever, and uh, they gave me a full ride. And I was like, okay, cool. But it's, you know, like, and I always had aspirations to something bigger. I didn't know what bigger was. Um, I just wanted to leave. And I definitely didn't want to go to Eugene, which I had never visited. I didn't, and not to hate on Eugene, because I had never been, but all I knew was a smaller city. Mm. And Corvallis was an even smaller city. And so even though like weren't most of your friends going there? Yeah, they were. And honestly, I just felt like I wanted something bigger, okay. something new. You wanted to get out of Yeah. You wanted to move beyond. Yeah, and I had no strong reasoning other than I need to go to the big city. Mm. And I guess the biggest city I could think of was Seattle because it's like 3 hours away. I'd, Close, I'd, yeah. Yeah, I I visited um I visited a friend up there and liked the campus and everything. I was like, I'm going to apply here. This is the, the feeling that I want to feel. Um, but I did not, I did not get any money to go there. I got in, yeah. uh, but I had to pay full out of state. And so I just, I just went, you know, and I had to convince my dad for a long time that this is a really good school. I knew how competitive it was to get into the university of Washington. I definitely did not have great grades. Right. I had decent test scores, decent SATs, all this stuff. But as I mentioned, I like to drink and party. So, and skip school a lot. So you, you weren't attracted to the to the university for its programs at all. It I didn't was know just, what just were. going to the big city. Yeah. I didn't know what their programs were. And honestly, all I ever heard, and this is a common Asian uh, family thing, but it's doctor, lawyer, engineer, right? Wait, doctor, lawyer, engineer, or, you know, business. Right. And so, I mean, my initial goal was business, going to business school. Like that's, you know, all I can think about. I didn't know anything about engineering. Sounded hard, and well, your parents were entrepreneurs too, so yeah. Um, and you know, they they always emphasize uh, business ownership, and I I just didn't know enough about, you know, like I said, one I I didn't want to be a doctor because I don't like blood. Uh, two I don't know what an engineer really does. I was good at I was good at math, but I just didn't have any guidance towards that role. And lawyer sounded really boring, reading lots <laughs> of text or whatever. Um, <laughs> So business seemed like the obvious way to go. And I'll say this, it wasn't like I, I, I was a very impressionable kid and I had a group of friends from Portland that I lived with um, who eventually, you know, they didn't get into business school, the undergrad business school uh, once I was up there and I started studying. And, you know, I basically got convinced that it was too hard to get into. I didn't even try. And so I went down 
a lot of different routes. I was working like four jobs at the time, just trying to, like I said, pay off um, as much of my loans as possible, pay for my living. And so I went into sociology based on a recommendation from uh, one of my, I don't want to, one of my bosses for my work study program, because okay. I was working at a preschool uh, doing a, you know, basically helping inner city kids at, you know, with preschool. Mm. And so he told me that sociology was what he did at Yale and, uh, you know, he loves his career. And I, I was thinking I'm going to have a life of service, mm. you know, and I went down the sociology route for a little bit and uh, kind of gave up the idea like, okay, you know, I, I've always wanted to make a lot of money because, you know, young kid, whatever, but maybe I can do this. And, you know, I took all those classes for sociology and I, with anything, you're gonna take classes that just are not helpful or just not interesting or things you wanna do. And I learned a lot from sociology, um, but at, you know, at some point I, I just decided like, this is just not interesting to me. <laughs> I, I don't know how much to say, uh, you know, say better than that, but it just, it just wasn't what I wanted to do with my life. Like, of course I wanna do service in, a, in one way or another, but it just wasn't the direction I wanted to go. And, you know, I had some falling out with my friends at that point. Uh, things were getting really stressful with me working so much. Mm. I think I was working 60 hours a week while going to school full time, doing Jeez. sociology. And, you know, obviously the falling out was just differences in lifestyle, all this stuff. And like I said, they all told me business school is too hard. We all didn't get in. And, uh, you know, you're not, it's just too tough. Basically, I was told by, even by my ex-girlfriend, like, yeah, you're not going to get in. It's super hard. And like I said, with that fallout and... I will say this, I am a spiteful asshole. <laughs> uh, once I, you know, I was li moved out and living by myself and trying to, you know, figure my life out, I was like, I'm going to get in motherfucking business school. <laughs> and like, I had no goal other than I'm going to get in. Um, yeah. And so I spent a year to get, you know, I spent my junior year getting into business school. It's usually a two year program. Mm. Try to figure out what, uh, which uh, basically field in business school can I do so I can complete my, um, not my diploma, my, is it a diploma? Yeah. My degree. degree. I, when, how can so I? So you had to pick uh, a specific field, subfield within the business school? Exactly. It could be accounting, could be um, marketing, could be a, a mm -hmm. variety of things. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to pick the one that would help me graduate on time. Okay. Um, I got in literally the end of my junior year. So to graduate on time, I would have to take summer classes and then a full year of classes. So. Yeah. And what was the, like, what made it so hard to get into business school? Was it just passing an exam or uh, you was had, it a big huh? multifaceted application? S uh, so you have to take the prerequisite classes, right. Econ 101, yeah, yeah. microeconomics, yeah, yeah. macroeconomics, uh, math, et cetera. Um, you have to get decent grades on those. And then there's the essay portion. Okay. And, and I, what was your huh? GPA at the time? I think it was like 3.3. .3. Honestly, my GPA was completely flat from high school to okay. college. Okay. Still like to party. Yeah. <laughs> Have a good time. Um, but it was, it was solid. Like I felt pretty good about it. I was work like I said, I, I don't feel bad about it because I was working 60 hours a week right. for three, three years straight in college. So like for me, 3.3 .3 while working at Fred Myers and working at a preschool, three preschools at once. Yeah, didn't actually. you graduate with no debt? Uh, no. So what happened was I worked so much um, the first two years and I kept all my pay steps. I knew if, if you can prove to the university that you moved there for non-educational purposes, they'll give you in-state tuition. So the first two years I pay out of state, which added up to about 50 grand. Okay. And by my uh, end of my sophomore year, I turned in all my pay stubs 
And they're like, yeah, you're definitely here. You work 60 hours a week. You didn't have to prove it that hard. Yeah. I had a stack of pay stubs this high. <laughs> they didn't even look through it. They're like, yeah, you're approved. You're in state now, whatever. I was like, okay. Um, and the thing was, is so my FAFSA with my parents, uh, FAFSA is the application you fill out when you do your financial aid. It was zero anyways. And now that I was fully independent on my own, it was like basically negative. Like, they, you yeah. know, I'm a kid working at Fred Meyers making $10 an hour right. and um, so they ended up giving me something called the Husky Promise, mm. uh, which is basically um, a scholarship for kids who are low income. Right. So I literally had, um, so I literally had my my full tuition paid for, and nice. then a little bit money for living every single year. Or so, and honestly, that was kind of a bad thing. Not a bad thing. That, that's not gonna say this, but it gave me a little bit more freedom to kind of drink and party more. Well, I mean, you worked for it. I did work. Uh, yeah, I, I worked for it. Like I said, it was a lucky break for me. Um, but, you know, I spent like the you know, I, I took a break, obviously got my degree and, you know, ended up hanging out with my friends and having a good time and um, kind of lost that fire a little bit inside of me and trying to didn't know what I was going to do after getting my business degree in entrepreneurship and marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I spent the summer looking for jobs and, you know, I wanted to stay in Seattle. And what year was that? 2010, 2010, okay. yeah. Um, spent the summer looking for jobs. I didn't know if I was going to stay Economy in Seattle. Economy was kind of recovering at that time still. Yeah, and I, I just had no idea what I was going to do. I, did, I, I And I'll be completely honest, uh, business school did not teach me much. If I were to, if, if I were to say... <laughs> it's more theory, right? Yeah, it's more theory. It's like more learning how to learn, which is important, but it's practically, it's not... Yeah, I, I, like I said, I'll say this. I wish I had a class on Excel because that's what I really needed. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I could tell you what a SWOT analysis is, which is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. But you never really do that unless you're like an executive level marketer or whatever. And I don't even think they do that. That's it's just so like I don't I know mean, academic. It's, it's more about the uh, the theory behind it and the thinking behind it and the ability to like reason, right? Yeah, in, in a higher level, higher way. Exactly. So you know, I took an internship at Alibaba. I just one of the opportunities that I found online. They interviewed me on on I don't know if it was Zoom, some kind of video conference WebEx or something. Yeah, and like I said, I as in, I'm very impulsive. I'm very um, like I said, uh, high risk tolerance. So I was like, all right, well, I had my adventure in Seattle. I'm good here. Uh, you know, I'm not going back to Portland. You know, I I need something bigger, and so I took my opportunity down the Bay Area and just ne- never been there before. Literally, it only been a Cal- L.A. So my so again, the big you know. city draw, right? Yeah. Um, like I said, I just assumed the Bay Area was an extension of L.A. I, like I said, I that's how naive I was as a kid, just never looking, growing, never leaving my area really. Uh, only visiting family in L.A. Whether I flew over or drove through it, it's just like isn't all of California Los Angeles? <laughs> um, yeah, and like I said, me getting into tech or the tech world was completely on accident. Just taking a job down in the Bay Area, which if you were to ask me now, like, I, I definitely consider myself Bay Area. Like, that's mm. the energy that I, I have, you know, in terms of the the goals and um, the goals and energy that I have in my career. Yeah, I mean, you still work with those guys. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, went down there, worked in marketing. Um, you know, like I said, I, I, I hit a wall right away as a, as a fresh out of college kid with a business degree. They threw me in marketing. I was supposed to do social media marketing because social media was still new. <laughs> they gave me a Twitter account for Ali, AliExpress and the Facebook, and we were doing all these um, campaigns that led to nothing. Like, it was absolutely terrible. And so, like, literally two, three weeks into doing that, they are like, okay, we're throwing him into SEM, SEO. 
uh, or SCM, they pay, basically paid uh, paid advertising on Google okay. and Yahoo and all these yeah, things. Yeah. And I'll say this: I had a mean ass boss, and he like basically chided me on how little I knew about Excel. Like I basically had never touched Excel, even though I mean I did accounting class, but you don't really do formulas, you don't right. do anything. I'm dealing with a million keywords we're paying for. We're spending hundred thousand dollars a day. And I don't know how to do Excel. So I basically had to get a crash course. And I was like, I'm a marketer. I should, I might, I might not think. I'm an intern. Isn't that yeah. what I'm here for? To like you to teach me how to do that? Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> aren't I supposed to do creative things like write copy and do fancy things and make nice, you know, like display ads and all this stuff? They're like, no, we seriously do this. We do analysis. It's data analysis. And this is where you're going. And, you know, I did that. And it was, I'm not going to say fun, but I was good at it. You know, it was my start. It was my start. And I was like, I finally have a skill that yeah. I like I can use. Um, the internship ended. Uh, they basically, you know, AliExpress was never a success in America. AliExpress is a basically Alibaba's attempt to get into the American market. Mm. And they failed miserably because apparently Americans like quality. <laughs> um, you know, and, oh. yeah, quality over quantity. And you can get a, like a bunch of rubber duckies from AliExpress, but not like one good ducky, basically, right. you know. So uh, going from there, I mean, I interviewed around, quickly found a job at the Game Developers Conference um, on the mar- as a marketing coordinator, like my full first full career. Uh, so wait, yeah, how does that how did that job change work? Um, you you found it through a friend of a friend, or you went to some conference? Or? Just just I mean, honestly, I, I don't remember. It was probably LinkedIn or you know just searching around for jobs. Uh, like I didn't really still. It know wasn't a face-to-face before. connection. It was more of a just job searching. Just more searching. You were just applying. Yeah, I was just applying. You know, 22 years old, looking for my first real job. Had some marketing experience. Had some nice things to put on my resume about you know my marketing career and uh, did that. And I've never applied for a job. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so it's what you do. You just like look. Is it, what, do I like this thing? Is, and it was you know it was in the city because I was working in Santa Clara down in the uh, the. South Bay, and now I was like, okay, opportunity to work in in San Francisco, uh, low pay, but get a start in marketing, and I just kind of went for it. Mm. Um, It was great, great experience. I was doing event planning, um, doing lots of the creative marketing that I I wanted to do. Like I was editing the newsletter, doing all this stuff. Never really touched like code or anything, and this is like like an inkling for the future that was, that I'd be good at this, but it's like, hey, here's our newsletter. It's written in HTML. You want to edit some stuff? And they were writing their own newsletter in HTML. I guess oh, this I mean, was back in the day, right? It was, yeah, I was like, hey, you know, basically, <laughs> here's before here. WordPress. Obviously, I was editing the text, but I was like, oh, I'll, you know, I can make this work. Like, I didn't have to send it to our engineer every time to right. do what I want to do. I was like, I could figure this out. I see how it works. Like, yeah. this link goes here. So I'm yeah. going to put the link in. I need to close off that link, blah, blah, blah. HTML, easy, you know, just figured it out. Um, Wait, did you use DOS when you were a kid? Were you, no, I was not. You were in that. Yeah, the, the yeah. only, my, my only coding experience was AsianAvenue.com. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know, building out my profile, yeah. putting music on there, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And honestly, it was just copy and paste and like, oh, that didn't work. I erased some stuff. Um, but just... Honestly, figuring things out was kind of just my um, kind of my jam. So I kind of did a little bit of everything there. Obviously, I was working with game developers, and it was really cool. I loved games, and it, it kind of got into the game culture, all this stuff. Um, did that for maybe a year and a half. And the pattern for me is I, before my last job, I had never done any, a job for more than a year and a half. 
I, and I think there's some value to that. Like they say that uh, like there's a lot of value in loyalty, and I, and I think it's important to be loyal to like your family, your friends, and especially yourself. Um, but I would say that you know if if you look empirically at people that move jobs, yeah. typically they end up getting paid more. Oh, yeah. Because like, if you just stay at one corporate job your whole life, what incentive do they have to, like, raise your... I mean, they should pay you more if you're performing really well, but, like, most of the time you leverage a raise by going somewhere else, right? Oh, yeah, and it's ridiculous. Like, you know, uh, the Game Developers Conference was owned by this big, gigantic firm. I think it was UBM, United Business Media, which mm-hmm. is the most corporate, generic-sounding company ever. And they, you know, they gave me my raise uh, after my first year, and it was like two. I thought it was like two or three percent. It's like, oh, we gave you higher. We gave you higher than what most people get. Like this is normal for us. It's it's like your general rent raise versus like, you know, getting somebody at market rate. And so, you know, like I I moved my career a lot, and I, I I won't tell you how many jobs I've had in marketing, but I had a lot, and. Uh, I kept jumping around, kept getting big, big jumps in salary, kept getting new experiences in that, learning so many different things, like super small startup, literally doing everything from making videos to all right. this crazy That's stuff. That's another point is that you build more skill sets, too, when you work at different companies. Yeah, exactly. And then I joined, you know, uh, basically a tech startup uh, unicorn. And I felt really good at my at my career. And I was getting the the promotions and all this stuff. And. Um, like I said, this is I, I, I was starting getting a little cocky in marketing. Like I was really good at my job. It was so easy for me to do it. I was getting, you know, like at this point, uh, three years in, like $75,000. Just became like assistant manager at, uh, in marketing. And uh, I got my first big jump in, uh, in salary uh, with my next job where I joined a real startup that act needed an actual marketer. And this is where things get a little dark. Uh, I got my first six-figure job. Mm. I went from $75,000 to $100,000, and I was so excited. And, you know, yeah, I, I basically I felt like the other companies, I kind of laid out marketing to make it really easy for me. Mm. And here's a brand-new startup that uh, maybe wasn't so established and needed somebody who was willing to kind of craft that message. They needed that a, message. a real brand. Yeah, yeah so they, they, needed they needed everything. more strategy, more things. Like, I had great mentors with everything before and here's my first and not saying that I didn't have great mentors at this job it was just the first first time I was challenged in my career Mm. um in a in a way that you know like I said and this is the worst thing about putting your self-worth in your in your job is like when you start not doing well it like can really affect your mental health Mm. and really really quickly like I'd say within a month a month and a half of like yeah you're supposed to ramp up and figure out I started to realize like I'm not good at this. Mm. And, you know, uh, when I'm not good at things and, you know, this is common, I, I really get stressed out. And right. uh, I started shaking, not being able to do work because if I, in my head, I was like, if I do the work, um, I'm going to mess up. If I, you know, it's basically, I felt frozen. Right. Like if, if I do something, I'll mess up and I'll get yelled at. If I don't do anything, then I'm not getting work done. And I literally was just stuck in this place. I wasn't sleeping. Mm. I wasn't eating. Um, I was so stressed out. And, honestly, the work started to notice. Um, I started, you know, I got my first performance improvement plan. I, I felt, like I said, there's, and I can't blame the company for, you know, like what, where, what role they put me in and the skill set that was required there. I don't think I was set up to fail. Somebody who was actually good at this job probably would have done a lot better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was display advertising and we were trying to hire, uh, get engineers on our platform to be hired. 
and I just felt I personally felt like I don't people these people don't click on banner ads. Right. I, I don't know. That could be completely false. But I wasn't succeeding versus some of the other people on, on my marketing team who had other channels like um, you know search engine optimization or search engine marketing, et cetera. My paid attempts were just plummeting, and I was not doing well. Um, and you know, they're to the point where I, I had to see a therapist. Mm. You know, I was like, "It's marketing for me. Is this is what I? Am? I thought I was good at this. Right. I just hit six figures. Why? Why am I? Why am I struggling so hard?" Mm. Um, yeah, it's sometimes it's like you don't have that ability or space to fail right because um so much of your you put so much worth on whether or not you're doing the good job and if and if you and if you feel like you're not doing the job perfect then yeah you got to give yourself space to fail right yeah and so you know i had to think like i only know marketing what else can i do and it's funny because uh I had two options in my head, uh, and this is, I'm still on the performance improvement plan or was about to be. Um, I was either going to go to culinary school. Mm. <laughs> it's funny, you know, because yeah. uh, I love, like I said, I love chef culture and watching all that stuff and was willing to grind and th- thought I was entrepreneurial enough to do something great. Or I was going to go to a soft, uh, you know, software boot camp because mm. a lot of my, uh, a lot of my friends had done it, had done very well, got really good paying jobs and yep. started startups and did all this stuff. I uh, did my vetting and uh, like I said, I put my head down and I I studied really hard to learn how to do the base amount of coding because you have to still apply to the program and then pay them $20,000 to get in. Um, and I was studying at night because I wasn't sleeping at all um, and doing really poorly at my job. And I remember the moment uh, I got the email after doing my video test because I thought I bombed it, um, that I'd gotten in. And I literally cheered at my desk at work. <laughs> um, all the stress had fallen off um, from that because I was like, okay, the next part of my uh, journey is starting. And yeah, I mean, like I said, the next month, uh, I kind of just did nothing mm-hmm. <laughs> at work. I was like, I, 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 need the, I need to make some money. I'm gonna quit at the end of the month or when I come back from winter break, um, you know, going home to Portland because I have enough money to hold me over till, um, till I get to the boot camp and throughout. Right. And it's funny because I, this is great happenstance, but, uh, obviously I wasn't doing very well at my job. I wasn't doing the work. I actually literally just stopped doing it. I was like, I don't give a fuck. Right. And, um, came back the day I was going to put my two weeks notice was the day I got my notice to leave <laughs> and they paid me the two you weeks get your severance bonus, yeah, yeah. severance of two weeks. And I was like, Oh, this is awesome. Cause now, not, not only did I not have to quit, but I, I got fired and I got my severance of the two weeks that I want anyways. I didn't have to stay there for two more weeks. And you know, obviously I got unemployment. So yeah. that helped me get through my, my program. And I realized, you know, I'm pretty good at this, this coding thing. And I won't Mm. go into the details of the coding bootcamp, but, you know, very quickly after I finished that and put, you know, put all my eggs in that basket, went to, you know, went to class 9 a.m. till midnight every day, rented out my room in San Francisco, and I slept in the living room so I could save on rent. Amazing. Uh, Meal prepped everything. So resourceful. My meals were under $2 uh, a piece, fried rice and some meat and just really simple stuff, just meal prep, everything, so I could save as much money as possible. Got through, got a significant um, pay raise with my software engineering role. 
Yeah. Right away, right out of the boot camp, you got an offer? Uh, like, I would say like two, like a month and a half. And how did you find the job? Did you, again, oh, just through applying for random yeah, jobs? Yeah, just applying to a, a million jobs. And like I said, this is the um, this is the thing. Like in, in, in anything, networking is very, very key. Um, we had our group of uh, students who all graduated at the same time. We all talked to each other about our experiences. And one of my classmates had gone through the interview process at uh, Future Advisor, the company I wanted to apply to. And mm. they had everything that I wanted, the salary I wanted. And he basically let me know, like, this is kind of what the interview process is like. So yeah. I made sure to focus, put my head down and just study those specifics, you know. Um, and I got the job, you know. And uh, like I said, like, th thank God I talked to that guy. Because I don't know if I would have gotten, gotten the job. I already interviewed like five or six companies at that point. I don't think I would have got that job if I didn't talk or make sure to reach out to my classmates. Right. You know, and that's the thing about learning to be rather you'd be introverted because I'm introverted versus extroverted. I had to like force myself to like, hey guys, what are you guys doing? Right, like right. sometimes you just have to ask and things will come. I was gonna say like, I was making the joke that I've never applied for a job, but like the first cooking job I got, yeah, always I just talk my way into that. Exactly. Well, like are the job at, at Paley's, I had to like, inter I had to do a, a working interview yeah. where they like, make you prove your skills or whatever but all of you know when I when I worked at the other job that it was someone I'd worked with before and he's like hey you, you come take this job and then when I came to get into finance uh, I just called my loan officer that did my loan and she's like oh I talked to my manager <laughs> to talk to him like yeah I never interviewed I never I mean I never done no, a, you don't uh, want I never filled out an application before it, it sucks don't worry <laughs> Um, but yeah. like your, but to your point, like yeah, I, th I mean, I've always overvalued networking because I've always felt that that was like a soft skill that I like, I could like take advantage of. But I think, well, I would right. say this super useful when you're switching careers. Useful switching careers, useful in everything. I mean, sometimes, like I said, even in my real estate world, whether it's investing or as a realtor, sometimes you just got to ask or put yourself out there. And um, you know, like I said, I, I always people always say I'm lucky. You know, and I never think I'm lucky. I think I'm just as lucky as everyone else. I just put myself for more opportunities for luck. You got to put yourself in the position. Yeah. yeah. If you don't ask for it, you're never gonna right gonna get it. You know what I mean? Or like like people don't just hand put things out in front of you uh, just because. And because I asked, like, what are you guys doing? What are you guys interviewing? What you know, like whatever. And I found the guy who just said, I just I just bombed this interview. I really like the company, and I. Had him tell me everything about it. Had everything I wanted: catered lunches, beer keg, uh, you know, kombucha, in a, you know, on tap. Um, basically, all the breakfast stuff you want. Like I made a smoked sandwich, a uh, smoked salmon sandwich every single morning. Nice. Um, <laughs> all the sparkling water in the world that you could want. Um, and I, like I said, this I felt great. I was happy. Startup, good, good times, good money. wasn't too hard. I loved the product. Was passionate. Um, yeah, I mean, I was happy. Let's mm. just say that. And I even had to move, you know, even when I had to move back to Portland to take care of my family situation with the, them losing their property and everything, um, I was still like just chilling, just yeah. making my, my salary kept going up faster than I, you know, I could have ever imagined. And I was super happy with it. Um, yeah. What caused the shift? At what point was engineering no longer the thing? Um, so I joined the company literally like maybe a month after acquisition. So they were acquired by uh, BlackRock, mm. you know, a uh, major Wall Street firm, mm -hmm. world's largest money manager, manages $13 trillion, all right. this, you know, BS. Um, they destroyed our culture 
they t all my coworkers who I loved and I you know I still keep in contact with, they all decided to leave for better pastures. Mm. Um, BlackRock culture was starting to sneak in. Like I said, they're Wall Street, we're tech. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't exactly mesh. They started, and like I said, this is gonna sound like I'm extremely spoiled, but I started noticing little things like, okay, our snacks are just not as good uh, in the kitchen. And every Monday we have falafel. We used to get laksa, we used to get pho, we used to get all the good stuff. <laughs> and now it's, it's like every single Monday is falafel. And you know, I, at this point, I, well, soon after I, I went home and I was like, well, I'm not getting any of that stuff anyways. Uh, I don't know. This is 2018. Uh, nobody's really doing remote then yet. So I was like, I'm happy to hold on to this job. But I, like I said, getting none of the perks and getting that culture coming in, this culture sneak and them, them taking things away really started to grind at my gears. Mm -hmm. Them telling me what to do and I hate being told what to do. Um, before I was, you know, maybe a, more of a product decision maker. And now they're like throwing me onto products that I could care less about. Um, so it just got really stressful and I just, started quiet quitting. Like I, I knew I had reserves. I made a good amount of money and it's just kind of holding on to it. Um, now obviously I bought my fourplex and like I said, like it's one of those things where you start seeing the opportunities elsewhere. Mm. And I started seeing my fourplex and you know, like you could hear more about the fourplex or the other properties I bought, but that property went up $130,000 in a year. And I dropped my payments like X amount and my taxes were lower and all these things. And Honestly, I within the and I did a little bit of overlap with real estate investing and my software engineering career, and I was like, I started making a couple hundred grand in real estate, you know, in equity, and yeah. started making lots of cash flow, not paying taxes, yep. even saving taxes on my W two job, and I was like, like, why am I doing both? And I whittled my job down to six hours a week, and yes, I was holding on to that salary, but I was so incredibly stressed. I was making the most money I'd ever made, at, you know, ever, and uh, got my real estate license, and I was literally doing that while renovating, while being a software engineer, and I was not happy, you know? Just too much on the plate. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like I said, I was dearly hanging on, six hours a week, high six-figure job, every single Sunday knowing that I was stressed out of my mind knowing I had a stand-up meeting the next day yeah. to and it, talk about nothing I did. <laughs> but, but but ultimately, I think more more than the multiple jobs, it was more the kind of that co corporate overlord. Oh, yeah. I, I absolutely, like I said, I could talk shit about corporate. Because now, anyway. I mean, you're back in the tech world again, right? You've got, you're working on a project. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got a little, an like I said. An, <laughs> undis an undisclosed project. <laughs> undisclosed stealth project, but... uh. But but you I mean because you like the engineering I do love to you I still like love the, to code I you still like love the to coding you like that you like building you like the business aspect of it but it's more but but you're coming into it as an owner at this point and, and a um, you know as an investor yeah as well as a producer so it's it's kind of a you don't have that you know that corporate overlord so it's exactly different. like I said I I would give a lot of money to to not work for you know, a corporate company telling me exactly what to do, how to do this. You have to work on this project that you don't care about. Like I said, the ha nice happenstance with my first tech company before it got absorbed was that I loved the product, I loved the people, and I would work on it willingly, very happily. Like it just, that, I'm not gonna say, that kind of happens kind of rarely in, the, in that world. I was completely happy. And mm -hmm. to be put on other things that I did not care for and just doing it for the money was not fun. So, um, I mean, that's why I was able to make that jump. Like as soon as I wasn't able to refinance for one of my properties, even though I had that uh, d nice W-2 job, 
did some stuff with my taxes that probably didn't help. Um, I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm I'm over it. I quit. And, I, you know, I just kind of left it. And at that point, I had been doing real estate just okay. Not, not anywhere near a living amount. But I just had a bet on myself. Um, and I had, I, you know, I had cash flow at this point. I had money coming in. I wouldn't say it fully covered my expenses, but if I made just some money, I'd be right. okay. And, you know, like that's where I just wanted to bet on myself. And yep. I've been doing it. I've had a great year. You know, this is my first full year not being an engineer. I mean, though, like I said, I do have undisclosed projects, but not anything that would interfere with my real estate, just something that I love doing and building. And, you know, hopefully it takes off, but if not, it's fine. I, I, I'm enjoying that process. Um, but I, I just, I'm very happy to bet on myself, knowing that like my results are of my gain and that I did it. Right. So, yeah. And just, I mean, like I said, that's why we were able to make that jump, kind of just betting on ourselves. I mean, what would you tell the young people in terms of like doing that jump towards transitioning? Like, Yeah. I mean, I think like you said, you got to keep investing and betting on yourself. Like, if you if you want to make a career change or a switch, I think the first thing starts from learning, like yeah. reading reading books. You know, you going to a boot camp, um, you know, taking a real estate course, whatever it is. Like, I think it's important to, um, like, really, like you said, keep investing in yourself and learning um, to put yourself in that position where you feel like you could you can accept an opportunity. Um, of course, having savings is, is obviously helpful. Yeah. Uh, you know, continuing to focus and build skill sets. Um, and, and because those skills, skills and habits are always something that you can transfer to a new career. Um, so, you know, leveraging that, just like, you know, really building those up. Um, and, and, and also, like, um, I think loyalty, like I was saying earlier, is important. But don't don't like lose an opportunity like you need to be loyal to yourself right i mean um you can you can change jobs and you can get a raise you can change jobs and get a be bigger skills like yeah uh I, like i said i it's not all gloom and doom you know we can i feel like people are so flexible you know like we should be able to do more than one thing if one thing's not working for us we'll, like we will figure it out Right. That, you have to have that belief in yourself. It's not always going to, you're not going to go from like having a job that you hate to just straight up homeless. Well, you can, but <laughs> you know, like you can be passionate about something, but like not have that as your career. And, yeah. and you could be passionate something and have it as your career. It just, um, it's, it, I think the idea that there's like one career or one path for every, like for one person, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, fa a fallacy. Yeah. You know, there's there's lots of things that you can do. Um, it's a matter of like putting your mind to it and and finding and finding joy and finding fulfillment in, in those things. Yeah. So you know, like I'm, I encourage people. Like I said, I, I don't encourage everybody to go entrepreneurship. It might not be the right fit for them. Entrepreneurship or even a career switch. Depend. Like I said, just take your time, think about your situation. But in terms of for entrepreneurship, like kind of really gauge like how how ambitious and motivated are you really? Or is this just a, a pie in the sky idea? Um, are you going to be passionate about what you do as, right. as you mentioned? Yeah, you, you have to like it. You have to, um, like you said, you have to be motivated. Um, you got to be self-motivated. You don't have a, I mean, it sucks to have a corporate overlord, but it's yeah. also, there's some benefits to that because they tell you what to do. Yeah. And then it's very clear what you need to do. Yeah. I mean, I'll say this about passion. Like I said, I've, I've definitely done things that I thought I was passionate in. Maybe I just had pride in doing a good job, you know, rather mm -hmm. than, do, do I really love marketing? Right. No, no, I really didn't. Do I, 
and I was be honest, and that's not to hate on real estate. And I love real estate in a sense where I'm an entrepreneur, but do I love houses? And I probably said this multiple times. Not really. I mean, you know, like I like the asset. I like, like the vehicle. I like the vehicle um, in terms of how it builds us wealth. And I definitely love helping people. I love customer service more than I love real mm -hmm. estate. Mm -hmm. So that's really where I get my passion from. Right. But you can do very well in things you're not passionate about, but it's probably going to be very short-lived. Right. You know, totally. Yeah. And again, like with entrepreneurship, um, I think it's just so important to be self-motivated. Yeah. You know, like you, you got to be able to get get yourself up. You know, get yourself up in the morning. Nobody's no one's telling you what to do. Right. You got to be able to figure out your schedule. You got to. Yeah. You're your own boss. I know. I mean, like I, I used to go play three, basketball three hours a day as a software engineer. Uh, you know, and to switch to a job where I had to get up and, you know, make my calls and do all these things and, you know, show up to home inspections and sit there for four hours on the ground with no furniture. Like, you know, <laughs> there, it's just it was just a little bit of a difference. You have to understand why you're doing it and, and obviously love what you're doing. And I mean, obviously, there's pros and cons to every everything that you do. So it's not too bad. Yeah. Well, I mean, thanks, everybody, for listening in on this. You know, I hope you got a little bit more context in terms of who we are, what what has happened in our life. It hasn't been all rosy and just smooth. And, um, you know, we're definitely still looking for uh, new guests. So if you know anybody who has had an interesting story in real estate, whether it's um, as a, in the in the industry as a realtor or a lender or real estate investing, investor, with, yeah. we would love to have them. So, yeah. Yeah, or an entrepreneur. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Realize Gains podcast. If you have any questions for our co-hosts or guests, don't hesitate to reach out. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or at jordanleemortgage.com.